Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Out of Line. So the definition for this little phrase is uncalled for, improper, inappropriate. If someone is out of line or way out of line, they have done or said something they should not have done or said. Let's start in Psalm 141. Now, just before we start reading scripture, I need you to be thinking, whether you're in the room or beyond, I need you to be thinking about something. Is it possible, and do I have other things in my life? I'm sure I do. Is it possible that there are people in your life who see something that needs to change? And either because, not that they don't love you, either because they think it will be a total waste of time because you'll be defensive, you'll push back, you won't listen, say they don't bother, they don't say anything, or you just don't have people that care enough to help you, or you just communicated you're unwilling to change. Now, I spend a lot of my life busting other people's chops, calling them out. I love them. And I'm in that position, and I try to do it gently and surgically because I care about people and trying to help them. But at some point, you cannot continue to read the scriptures. You cannot continue to sing the songs, to say you read the scriptures, you go to church, whatever you're doing, all these spiritual things, and nothing change. Something has to change, or it's not working. And if your family tells you that you're a fill-in-the-blank and you're angry and you're proud or you're impatient or you're whatever these things that you are and you get defensive and then the fight breaks out instead of going, wow, tell me more about that. I think you might be trying to help me. Think about what people have been trying to tell you maybe your whole life and they just gave up and you're going to die that way. I have women who call me and say, you got to pray for me. You got to pray for my husband. You got to pray for our family because he's out of control. He's rude. He's impatient. And no, it's not my wife calling me. It's, um, it's I can be all those things too. But they don't know what to do. I'm not leaving the man. I married him, so I'm here. But we try to tell him that he's, he just seems like he doesn't even care. And then you try to broach that subject with that person and nothing. Like, dude, is that it? That's all you got? You can't change. You can't grow up. You can't take on any valid criticism, any critical evaluation of your life, even if it's by people that love you. So I'm asking you, I'm having to do this on this and some other things now. I'm asking you in this room and beyond to say, okay, Lord, this may not be pleasant, but if there's something I'm missing because I'm unwilling to change or I'm afraid to change or I think, oh, it's just me. It's just me being me. It better be Jesus being Jesus, not you being you. Amen. Or you're in trouble. Because supposedly if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. 
All things are new. Psalm 141.5, let the righteous strike me. It shall be a kindness and let him rebuke me. It shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. For still my prayers against the deeds of the wicked. Literally like, you know, if I need to be struck even by someone that's righteous, it shall be a kindness. Like if you got to hit me with something, hit me with something. You're being kind to me. Go to Matthew 7. Now, these are verses that some of you could almost quote. Some of you are familiar with them. I am not talking about whether you know what the Greek words are or you can quote them or any of that. I'm talking about are we doing these things or not? Enough already of studying the Bible just to say we know what it says. Put it to practice in your heart and life. Matthew 7 verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? So you look at, you pay attention to the speck in your brother's eye, but you have no notice, no consideration of what's going on in your own life. Now this is what's very difficult when you're on the receiving end of what I received. If I go to someone and I have their issue, okay? I am the person, and so instead of dealing with my own stuff, I go to that person and say, I've noticed this speck in your life. And probably they've noticed it as well. I am the wrong person at the wrong time to be the person to approach them about that because even if what I'm saying is right, I look like such a complete idiot bringing their issue up that is my issue even more than their issue. So if we got the same issue, then I have to deal with my issue first. Then once I have dealt with my issue and even they can see that I have dealt with my issue and I approach them gently, lovingly, trying to help them, I've got a better shot of helping them because I realize how much change has come about in my own life dealing with the same issue. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye you do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, like, dude, what are you even thinking? How can you say this? Let me remove the speck from your eye. And look, a plank is in your own eye. You had a board sticking out of your head. Now, what does he call this? Hypocrite, he says. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So yes, we are supposed to be in the rebuking speck removal business, but not with planks in our eye. Don't be a hypocrite. Matthew 18. Now, I'm pounding on this a little bit. Enough of reading your Bible and doing nothing with it. You got to stop this nonsense. If you're gonna read your Bible, you pray before you read it and say, God, search me, try me. If there's something evil, wicked way in me, show me. Not, oh God, search me and help me be able to better notice sin in other people's lives. And so then on Monday morning, I go out and be running my radar. Whoop, there's one, whoop, that's you. Found one. Brother, this is your problem. Dude, go home, climb back in your closet. You shouldn't even be out of the house. You're wreaking havoc for the kingdom of God. Deal with your stuff. 
And then he shows you some area and you go, oh, Lord, really? That? Yeah, that. Uh, Lord, do you, could you like give me some confirmation of that? Like, yeah, yeah, ask anybody you know. You say, well, what kind of examples? Well, the Lord says, you know what? You got a foul mouth. It's effing this and whatever it is you're throwing out. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that way. Ask your coworkers. Do I have a foul mouth? Dude, what are you talking about? Everybody knows you. Like, you're like, it's worse than a sailor. Really? Yeah, what, are you the only person who doesn't know how you talk? No, you say, well, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, then God shows you something. Then you say, okay, Lord, wow, let's work on that. That means your vocabulary is going to change, right? This is practical, specific stuff. Matthew 18, 15, moreover, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Don't go, oh, we need to pray for me. I'm going to see Bobby Jean and tell her what she said. You know, like, dude, there's no verses for that. If Bobby Jean sinned against you, you go deal with Bobby Jean on that. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. There's grounds for throwing people out of churches. It's not something you want to be doing. But if somebody locks up, they've sinned and want to deal with it, they're gone. Doesn't mean they're going to hell. It just means you can't be here. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And in that context, this verse that gets pulled, verse 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst of them. That's the context. Luke 18, verse 9. Now, I'm reading you this story because I'm trying to give you an example of the contrast here of different kinds of people. Luke 18, 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised other people, despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I'm special extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this tax collector, there's a good chance this guy was all of those things he listed. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, he's come to the temple to pray, and he's the only one praying. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest, beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, I'm not saying we should go around putting ourselves down. And when I hear false humility, someone's, you know, well, man, God really used you and blah, blah, blah. Well, thank you, brother, but, you know, it was all Jesus. And, you know, dude, stop whining. Acknowledge the compliments. Say, you know what? It's a gift. God's gifted you. He's gifted me. I'm so grateful that he uses me. I'm willing to be used, but it is all him. But thank you for saying something. It's okay to acknowledge what God is doing in your life without some kind of weird false humility. 1 Corinthians 13, 
in the love chapter, what does it say? When I was a child, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. There's nothing wrong with being a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. When are we going to become men? You say, well, what do you mean? I'm 40, I'm 30, 40, 50, 60 years. No, no, no. I didn't ask how old you were. Are you a man yet? Because men put away childish things. They don't do these things. Men don't speak like children, understand like children, and think like children. They put those things away and become men. You know, it's interesting. You know when you meet a man, right? It's not complicated. You meet a man, you know you just met a man. Maybe even a grown something man. And when you meet a Christian man, a godly man, you know you've met that man because there will be strength under power. It doesn't mean they'll run over you. It doesn't mean they're not strong. There will be a gentleness and a meekness and they will know how to surgically remove a speck from your eye without hurting you anymore. And you'll know they care about you when they're doing it. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done with love. Is it starting with love? Am I approaching this person with love? I was thinking about the whole speck removal deal. You know, I never took a course on speck removing. Do you know how I know how to remove a speck from someone's eye? Because I've had specks in my eye and someone who knew what they were doing, not with a water hose on full, squirting it in my eye. Oh, this will blow it out. Right? Someone who knew what they were doing that approached me, maybe with something to flush it out, usually very gently pulling my eyelid down and going in like to touch my eyeball. You think I'm letting just anybody do that? But how do I know to even go about that? Because I've been there before. I've had it done to me. So I go, okay, that worked. But whatever you're doing, please be gentle. This is scary. It's painful. But will you help me? I can't get it out by myself. And a friend the other day approached me and pulled my eyelid down and said, hey, I'm going to help you get this out. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, written to Christians, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. There's a way to go about these things. And when you need help and someone loves you enough to try to help you, then you'll know it worked. Because now somebody can go, oh, it's none of your business. And okay, I get that. But you can't say, I didn't try. And you can't say, I don't love you. And you know I've struggled with this myself, so I'm an expert. 2 Timothy 3, 16. Now I'm about to read you a scripture that will tell you why I read so much scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. God breathed through these men that wrote all this stuff down and is profitable. This is what it works to accomplish for doctrine. Tell you what, this is what you believe for reproof. So I read the scripture and I go, oh, I wish I hadn't read that. And you read again, you go, oh, is that me, Lord? Yeah, that's you. Really glad you read that because that's what scripture's about. Oh, well, let me pray about whether I'm willing to let you, you know, dude, just do it already. Lord, you're right, I'm wrong. By the way, that is repentance. Just repent. 
Oh, wow, I thought that was okay. Not okay, is it? No, I changed my mind then. So you're right, I'm wrong. I don't want to be that person anymore. Doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, I've got friends, for some reason, I know these people more recently. One's in the room, he's a plumber. We've got another guy, AC guy. An AC guy came to my house the other day, and there was a problem with a certain part in a condenser or whatever they're called, that thing outside blowing air. So he looks in there, goes to his truck, and guess what? My part is on his truck. What a coincidence. Is that a coincidence? No. He loaded his truck for his work. That's what he does. So what is he trying to do? That you may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You got everything you need on the truck. So you wake up and go, Lord, let's go. He goes, whoa, 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 back in the closet. This is not right. Okay, okay, I left something off the truck. Okay, I got it. Let's go to work. Then you meet someone and he says, okay, say something about this. Ooh, that's going to be rough, but okay. They go, man, I can't believe you said something about that. That's what I've been struggling with. All right, let's pray together and... And you're, you're working, you're living the life he intended. Titus 2, I'll just read you verse 15. You can read the verses before on your own. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. So he's encouraging us to live this kind of life. And the word there, exhort, means to call upon someone to do something, to admonish them, exhort them, the word used. And then the word rebuke, Interesting, this word rebuke, in classical Greek, it meant to shame, to disgrace, but only in classical Greek. In the New Testament, the word means to convict, to prove one in the wrong, and thus to shame him, translation. So you're saying, look, see you the error of your way, to convince of error, refute, confute. You're just trying to help them see, dude, this, this is wrong. Go to Revelation chapter three. And this is written to the Laodiceans, this bunch, it's so fascinating. You'd think this was some church outside of Atlanta somewhere or something because it's so much like America. Revelation 3, 14, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. And by the way, he doesn't say which is better. Is it better to be hot? I don't know, if I'm drinking tea, I either want it hot or cold. I don't want it lukewarm. I can do it either way. What is his contention with them? I know what you're doing, but you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. Be one or the other. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I'll spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, now look at this, you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And you say, well, what is he talking about? From a spiritual sense, that's what your life looks like. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Like, dude, you think it's all okay because it's all okay in the physical realm. You're a mess spiritually. And then verse 19, as many as I love, what does he say he does? I rebuke and chasten. There are times in my life where my dad would discipline me and my sister and my brother. 
And I will tell you straight up, he was out of line. He crossed lines. It was too extreme. It was not appropriate. But what was his intent? He was angry. He had a lot of stuff going on. And so that all got dumped into the rebuke and the chastening. So that's my dad. I've forgiven him for that and I've moved on. My heavenly father never has done that to me. He has never rebuked me or chastened me out of control. He's never been out of line. And why is he doing it? Because he loves me. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Okay, Lord, what else? Show me something else. Oh, I would say that out loud. I really don't mean it, Lord. I do not mean that right now. You know, the one thing I do not want to do, I'm just going to say it out loud because I've been saying this out loud. I do not want to slow down. I do not want to slow down. I get in the car. I am competitive. I pick someone to race against. I just pick somebody. Some guy will pull up peripherally like he's going to pass me. I'm like, oh, there's my guy. We're going to race to wherever. And if he's game, here we go. And I get to drive fast like a child. You say, well, what are you going to do about that? Oh, my gosh. Now, you say, well, dude, you're just crazy. You shouldn't say things like that out loud. You think everybody doesn't know it already? You want to know why there's no fish or stickers on my car? The only sticker I have is get out of the way if you love Jesus because I'm going somewhere, you know. (laughs) Now, I am not going to tell you all my stuff. I'm not doing that unless he makes me. But I am trying to be vulnerable and try to get you to be vulnerable and help people and let people help you. And when they do, grow up. Apply the things they help you with. Load your truck so you can go to work. Perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Richard Ellis will return in a moment to wrap up today's talk with a few final words. But first, I want to share some important information about the program. The reason we do this is to share with you the good news. When you open your heart and life to the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that's the beginning point of the most amazing journey you'll ever experience. But it's also a journey that we want to join with you. So if you've been on this road for a while or just getting started, let us know how we can help. Maybe you've got some questions, stuck in neutral, or even wondering how to take the next breath. We're here. Give us a call at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. We're here to celebrate with you, too. So if this program has made a difference to you and encouraged you in any way, tell us about it. Let's keep this conversation going by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also send us an email through our website, richardellistalks.com. That would really make our day to know how Richard's talks have helped you. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or email us through the website richardellistalks.com. And speaking of the messages, you can find today's talk along with every message from Richard at our website richardellistalks.com. Finally, we really believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute to this ministry by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. We would be so grateful for your gifts. 
And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. I know people, their deal is anger. You know why they get angry? They get off on getting angry. Stop it. You're out of line. You're over the line. You're scaring people. Pick your sin. And the extreme of this is God says, look, you're not going to make it. You don't even know me. You die without me, it's hell. You go, well, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. You're really out of line because you're not even in the line getting into heaven. But would you be willing if he's shown you what you aren't and that you need him just to say, Lord, I've pushed against you my whole life. I've stiff-necked you, hard-hearted you, but I realize now you love me. You care about me. You're not trying to hurt me. You're not trying to keep any good thing from me. And why would I even think that if you were willing, God, to give your own son to die for me, be buried, raised from the dead, and it turns out that's all about me? Okay, I'm wrong. You're right. I'm in. And you trust him, and you receive what he has to offer, and let him change your life. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talk sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.